If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of 1 John. It's all the way towards the very back of your Bible. One of the last couple books. It's only a page or two. And we're going to be reading from chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Here are a couple pages. Give you just a moment. 1 John chapter 4. Starting in verse 13. Receive now the word of the Lord. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Indeed, thanks be to God. I want to pause before we pray, and um, I offered up an invitation and a resource last week, and this week has been, uh, it has been an utter blessing to my life, so I'm going to reiterate this invitation and restate this resource and say that I'm going to journey with you. Um, I didn't share that last week. I have uh, spent time in the Word every day this week uh, on two different reading plans. And I know that some of you, uh, as you get to New Year's, you think, I'm, I'm going to, to re-engage in my faith. I'm going to commit to grow in my faith. And one of the best ways that we could grow in our faith is to grow in our relationship with God and our relationship with God through God's Word. God's Word is, is real and alive for each and every one of us, and it's a resource for us to see God's primary revelation to the world. And so if you have a desire to, to engage in God's Word, to become more familiar with it, I gave two different resources. The first is, if you're new to the Bible, if you're just uh, becoming familiar with the story of salvation that moves from creation to new creation, it could be daunting to look uh, at a path that goes all the way through the entire Bible, Old and New Testament. So there's a reading plan that I want to call your attention to in the just for the New Testament. It, it's the story of Jesus, his salvation for the world in the early church and and what it means for us to be the people of God. If you have the Bible app and if you just type in your app store Bible, if you don't have it, by the way, it's like the most downloaded app in the world. Uh, It has multiple translations and then there's a section called plans and if you click on plans you could search plan and and if you type in uh, the Bible project New Testament 
The Bible Project is a tremendous resource. It orients us to each book of the Bible, helps us understand where we are and what's going on. So some of the confusion that we enter into with the Bible is taken away. Uh, And it's one chapter a day, and it gives you the weekends off. So... Which I don't, I mean, I guess that's just mathematically how it worked out. So if you're like, I don't know if I could catch up. You got lots of Saturdays and Sundays where you could read a chapter of scripture and catch up. So uh, I invite you, if you're new to digging into the word, to go with me on that journey through the New Testament. If, if, you, want, uh, if you want to dig more deeply, if, you've, if you have a familiarity with scripture, but you want it to become intimate in your knowledge and your relationship, uh, there's a great resource uh, that uh, Father Mike has. It's a podcast. It's the Bible in a year podcast. Now, it's through Ascension Press, which is a Catholic resource. So I know I'm being quite ecumenical here whenever I'm uh, endorsing a Catholic resource. But it's a great journey, and it's in podcast form. So he reads the word over you, and he gives a brief review of it. It's 20 to 25-minute podcast. 20 to 25 minutes a day, and in the course of a year, you will have gone through, journey through the entirety of Scripture. So it'll be a little bit harder to catch up, but I think the Lord will journey with you through the first seven days of 2024 if you want to enter on that journey. I've been doing both, and this has been one of the best weeks of my life. So uh, I hope that you will consider joining me in that. Now that I've given those two uh, promotional videos, uh, let's bow for a word of prayer as we enter into the Word today. Gracious and loving God, what a gift it is to gather around your Word. The truth that's declared over us and declared amongst us is so potent and so profound that it has the power to change, to change our reality, to change our circumstances, to change our way of being, to change our community, to change the world. For it's the power of salvation that we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, the word made flesh. Lord, be with us as we attend to this holy and sacred task of diving into your word. Lord, open our eyes that we would see our ears, that we would hear our minds, we come to know and understand your word and indeed your, your ultimate will for each of us. Open our hearts that we would feel its power. Then I pray, O oh God, that you would open our hands, that in response we would offer you, offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you might remember uh, 2011 in Texas was the driest year in the history of Texas. Do you recall 2011? In 2011, the average rainfall across the state of Texas was 14.6 inches. It was the driest second quarter in Texas history and the driest third quarter in Texas history. Uh, Lauren and I were appointed to plant a new church in uh, this community in 2011. And we arrived here on June the 1st, and it had not rained and did not rain in the month of June. It did not rain in the month of July. It did not rain in the month of August. Not even once. 
And Lauren and I were meeting folks, connecting with folks, inviting folks to come along this journey of planting a ministry here in this community. And, uh, and we uh, decided we were going to have preview worship services, four preview services, one in September, one in October, one in November, and one in December over the course of the fall so that we would be prepared to launch worship on January the 8th. 2012, the very first time it rained since May was, during, was the day of the preview service in September. And then it did not rain again until the day of our preview service in October. And then it did not rain again until the day of our preview service in November, I have to tell you, I, you know, and pastors worry about rain on Sundays. We're like, no one's going to come if it's raining. You wake up, you hear the pitter-patter, you roll over and you stay comfy in your bed. Maybe you turn, uh, and maybe you put on some comfy socks and it's the fall and you get ready for football. I mean, I, it, it is a nightmare uh, to have this scenario work out. But we didn't receive it as such when we, once we realized what was taking place. For me... I saw it as a persistent sign of God's provision that God was the one who provides and provides in due season for all things. And here at Covenant, I've taken that uh, to heart as over and over again, I've seen how God has come in just in the nick of time, just uh, whenever we didn't understand how it was possible, whenever we were confused or dismayed, God continued and has continued to be faithful and provide. And so yesterday, as I was driving home from HEB with some fajita uh, steak ready to grill outdoors, I bought things for a fire and for s'mores, and uh, we were going to have a great evening in the backyard. I had the window down in my 1966 Chevy pickup, and all of a sudden, the heavens opened and rain <laughs> began to fall. Uh, I got there at the corner of Huffsmith, and I was able to crank my window, yes, I cranked my window up in the, in the truck. And just in time, because as I turned on to Huffsmith, it was such a torrential downpour, I could hardly see, and I smiled. Because today is the 11th anniversary to the day of the ministry we share in here at Covenant. And I am so excited about what God is doing. God has done amazing things amongst us, amazing things through us, and amazing things in us, most importantly, amen. God is transforming lives, has transformed my life and many of your lives through what's happening uh, here, and I thank God for that. Uh, we were given this grand and audacious vision by God uh, 11 years ago uh, to, to see this community in a different way, that this community would be a community connecting in Christ. That this community would be a community connecting in Christ. Now, what's the critical word in that statement? Christ. 
the, the critical word is Christ. Now, we, we, we are drawn to uh, the word community because community is about life that is for others, life that is with and amongst others. And we, we, are, we are drawn to that because of the potency of our need for that life more than ourselves. Community is life for others. And... Uh, and I know that so many move into this community when they are shifting from a season of life that is totally self-centered to life that is about others, particularly the families. How many people lived in the Heights or, or lived downtown and uh, life was, was about me? And then uh, marriage, maybe that's when you moved, but more than likely uh, kids Kids come or are on the way, and you move up here and you say, okay, my life isn't just about me because there's this crying thing that demands my attention, and so I should probably pay, pay attention. And so there is this life for others. But when you move up here, it's not just uh, oftentimes for family, but it's also because you're yearning some fellowship relationship that's greater than, more than yourself oftentimes greater than, more than your family, your yearning for community. Community that's connected. And, and connection is at the base instinct woven within the fabric of our nature. God put his image and likeness in us. And, and as God is one and three, a community amongst God's self, so we are also individuals and designed to be connected with others. Uh, we need it. Uh, we are not complete without it. If we are in isolation, if we are totally independent, then we are falling short of who we have been created to be. Each and every one of us has been created for more than anonymity, for more than isolation. Rather, we have been created to know and to be known, this is connection. But community connected in fellowship, or community connected in a building, or community connected in relationships, or community connected in service, each of these falls short. Because they are missing the critical element that actually has the power to transform. I mean, what would it have been if, if I cast this vision or, 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 or stated amongst the people in 2011, we're going to build a church that's going to be a community connected in service. People would be like, well, I have the Kiwanis Club for that. And um, I have other social service organizations that I could join. I could just go volunteer at team. Uh, no. Each of those elements are good, relationship, fellowship, service, a building, all of those are good, but they're resources for the more critical matter that we would be a community connected in Christ. In Christ. In Christ alone, our hope is found. In Christ. In Christ, things are made different. It is, in fact, all about Jesus. When this vision is realized, 
when this vision is realized, you are now a new creation in Christ. And because you are a new creation in Christ, you operate and have your being in the world in a different way. The way in which you engage and connect in community changes. When you are in Christ, you are a different coworker. When you are in Christ, you are a different parent. When you are in Christ, you are a different child. Amen, children? When you are in Christ, you are a different neighbor. We must be rooted in our identity as followers of Jesus Christ so that the community is not a reflection of the world, but rather it's a reflection of what Christ is doing in the world and what Christ is inviting you to do and who you are called to be in the world in Christ. We are called to be a community connecting in Christ. So we begin to ask and wonder, what is a community connecting in Christ? How does this actually look when it's broken down at its base level? Something that I could grasp tangibly. A community connecting in Christ is a place where people genuinely receive love from their neighbors and genuinely love their neighbors. Genuine love in Christ is at the foundation of what this looks like. And so now you can begin to play this out in your mind, in your mind's eye. In what ways have I experienced genuine love from, from my friends, from my neighbor, from, from my brothers and sisters here at Covenant? Uh, in, in what ways have I experienced genuine love for my family? And in what ways have I offered that genuine love in, in, in tangible ways? <coughs> Excuse me. It might be just through presence, it might be through engagement or, or, or just time with, or it might be a physical expression of love. What is that opportunity you have had to receive and to give love? That is a community connecting in Christ. And I wonder, I've been pondering how we could drill more deeply, focus more intently, be more fully engaged in this work. If we are to, to, to be a community connecting in Christ, if that's not just a tagline and not just a vision, but if it's actually going to be made manifest by the power of Almighty God in and amongst us, then we should drive towards it even more fully. And if it means that we're going to give and receive genuine love, then I want to know how that takes place. How did that take place in my life? How did it take place in your life? It, it, it begins with maybe this idea that we would love our neighbors as ourselves. Matthew 22, verse 39, it's the second commandment. Jesus is asked by uh, his disciples excuse me, by the Pharisees, uh, what is the greatest commandment in Scripture? In some ways, this is supposed to be a test because there are so many uh, uh, commands across the Torah specifically. And so Jesus re replies in Matthew uh, 22, 37 through 39. I'm going to just read 39 to start with. And it says, and the second, this is Jesus, and the second is like it as, as the second commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. This is to give and receive genuine love from your neighbors and to your neighbors. I mean, what an extraordinary image Jesus paints for us. But this is the second commandment. And so if you were trying to figure out how am I going to do that thing? How am I going to uh, actually live out this second commandment? Where should we probably first turn to? The first commandment. If you're trying to accomplish the second commandment, you might want to look at the first commandment. And so I think that that's a great place for us to turn our attention to. Matthew 22, verse 37 and 38. This is Jesus' reply to what the, the, the greatest commandment is. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. For us as the people of God, if we are to become a a loving people, a people that love our neighbors genuinely and also receive that love, we begin by loving God with everything we have. And sometimes, sometimes as Christian, this is hard because we like to uh, bifurcate or isolate different elements of our life and be able to invest fully or deeply in those areas and then s- segregate those other things and hold them uh, uh, for ourselves. We might say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put all of my mind into my faith and I'm going to study. I'm going to do what Jason said just a little while ago. I'm going to go through the entire Bible. I'm going to listen to the podcast. I'm going to read uh, commentaries on it. I'm going to know the Bible. And when I know the Bible, then I will love God. But that's not what Jesus teaches and that's not the first and greatest commandment. It's not just love the Lord your God with all your mind. Yes. But it's also with all your heart and with all your soul with all your heart, and with all your soul? What is it for our time, our affections, our our energy, our attention to all be drawn to God? For us to devote ourselves more fully into a relationship with God. Think about those early moments of your relationship with your spouse if you're married or, or, with, or, or with a boyfriend or girlfriend if you're still single. Uh, in those early moments, what do you want to do? Spend time with them, I hope. Uh, if, if you didn't want to spend time with them and you were married, come talk to me later. We could, we could. You probably wanted to spend time with them. And the, and the more time you spent with them, the more time you wanted to spend with them. Your affections, your attention, your time, your priorities were aligned. This is that love of God with heart and soul. For us to understand that God is leading us into deeper and deeper relationship with him. So I invite you all. I invite you all to... To hear this call to love neighbor as, a, as what the, the, um, would be the exemplification of a community connected in Christ. But to know that in order to do that, you have to first love God. And so now we are drilling down to this annual theme in 2023. The Lord put it on our hearts to make the first thing the first thing. And that is to first love. And last week, I used a term, and a lot of people giggled because they thought I made it up. Uh, I said, I love double entendres, but we found ourselves with a triple entendre. 
Uh, and some people thought I made that term up. No, it just means that it's a, it's a phrase or a term that has two or three meanings uh, all at the same time. But this theme, first love, uh, can be taken in so many different ways. I'm going to just offer up that it's at least five different ways, which would be a quintuple entendre, possibly. Uh, I might have just made that up. But there are, there are at least five different ways that we can line out how we hear and receive this true testimony of first love. We could hear it as first love, he first loved us. That God first loved us before anything else loved us. God first loved us. God first loved us. We could also hear it as he first loved us. He, he loved us first above every other thing. That, that he created all things and in all things he saw that they were good. And then after he saw that all things were good, he created humankind. And what did he say? It is very good. That this one thing, humankind, you and I, God put his image and likeness in. Not in anything else. God put his image and likeness in us. He loved us first above everything else. So much so that he created a world so that we could walk and have intimacy with God. That he could dwell with us. This was the original creation. And this is what is being restored through the spirit of the living God coming and dwelling in us. And through Jesus' return and establishing a new creation. This is the story of God. That God loved us first above other things. Everything. We could hear he first loved us before anything else. He first loved us above anything else. We could also hear this in, uh, in a tone about our affections, that, that he is our first love, that we are to love him before we can actually love anything else. We, we might think that we know what love looks like, but once we love God in a reflection of God's love for us, then all of a sudden our capacity goes wham, and we are able to love in new and profound ways because it is mirroring God's love for the world. He is our first love, and he also needs to be the first amongst our loves. I'm really thrilled whenever I see people today wearing TCU gear. God bless you. And I'm thankful that you love TCU. That's a good thing. But if we love TCU more than we love God, problem. Uh, I didn't see any Georgia gear. Good. Um, you know, I also oftentimes see that we have affection for and we have value for our spouse, our family, our possessions. All those things are good. Except none of them should ever rise even close to the point of what it is to love God. Our love for God is to be first amongst all of our loves. And then finally, if we were creating a quintuple entendre, we would say first love. First comma love. 
that the first thing that we are to be about when we enter into a relationship, when we engage with someone, is to be in a posture of love. That, that, that our relationship is founded first and foremost in love and that everything else moves from there. That is how Jesus operated. Jesus went and met with opposition. Jesus saw Roman centurions. Jesus saw Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus saw the one that betrayed him, Judas, and he loved them first. The first thing he did was love, and we also are called to first love. So we're going to be on a grand journey over the course of this year, approaching this theme of first love. And I invite you into it fully because the anchor of our verse, uh, the anchor of our focus is going to be on this verse that comes to us in 1 John chapter 4. You might have forgotten what was read so long ago. I want to turn your attention there. It's in 1 John 4, 19. 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. And so our starting point is to hear that the because he first loved you. God first loved you. God first loved you in the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, as the word proclaims, as savior of the world. But I want you to hear the us in the world and I want you to personalize it. I want you to hear that he first loved you. And then when you hear uh, 1 John 4, as it continues in verse 14, we testify and see, see that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. He first loved you through the gift of his Son, the Savior, your Savior. Sometimes we read this a story in Scripture, a story of Abraham and Isaac, and we, we wonder how could this be possible that Abraham would be willing to sacrifice this, uh, this blessed son, his, his son, his heir, and, and we ponder how is this even possible, but it is purely a reflection and, uh, and a precursor to what we see in Scripture, that God so loved the world that he gave his son as the Savior of the world. He first loved you. He first loved you because he gave you Jesus. He also first loved you because he gave you his spirit. His spirit, it refers to it in verse 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. God's very spirit is your gift. It's here for you today. Now, when you call upon the name Jesus, the Spirit of God is an anointing in your life, and, it, and He lives and dwells in you, and you now have His presence as your guide, as your hope, as your wisdom, as your advocate, as your reminder. God in you through His Spirit. He first loved you through His Son and through His Spirit and there, and there is great power in beginning right there. Now, there are two entire sermons uh, that I'm not going to begin right now 
just in this text. The first would be a a sermon focused on verse uh, 15 and 16, and it talks about our response to God's love in us is by loving others, loving the world. And all of that was referred to in uh, what it means for us to live out uh, our mission and vision here at the church. And we'll be talking about that more over the course of the year. The second sermon is a profound sermon about assurance. In verse 17 and 18, it talks about the hope we have when we understand the love of God and this gift of God in Jesus and the spirit that we receive. And then we have assurance to walk through life, its hardships, its joys, all of those things with no fear because we have hope in Jesus. But for today, I want us to close by anchoring our time in an invitation Verse 15 of 1 John 4 is your invitation and mine. We love because he first loved us. He loved us in his son, our savior. He loved us in his spirit, the indwelling power of God. And then verse 15 says, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. God wants to live in you and for you to live in God. And all it takes is for you and I to acknowledge, to profess, with a mental assent, yes, And a deep spiritual conviction, yes, that Jesus Christ is Savior of the world. And he's my Savior. Jesus, we acknowledge you today. We call upon you and we invite your presence in us. So that the world might know the gift of your Son, the power of your Spirit, And that we would see this community connecting in Christ. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we call upon your name. We invite uh, invite your spirit to be present with us in this space and time. And we acknowledge you. We acknowledge you as Lord of heaven and earth. Lord over all creation. And we acknowledge you as our Lord. We ask that you would that you would be there for us to follow, that we would be able to uh, turn our life and our attention towards you. We also pray, O oh God, that you would save us. Save us from our sin. Save us from our brokenness. Save us from our, our lack, from our empty. Lord, heal us and restore us. As we acknowledge you, fill us with the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. Abide in us as we abide in you and through the work of your church, through the ministry of covenant, may your vision be fully realized, a community connecting in Christ. 
Lord, as we continue in worship and we enter into this time of offering, we ask your blessing upon these gifts, upon the givers that offer a portion of what you have blessed them with to the kingdom building work of your church. Lord, we ask that you would be glorified in all that takes place in this space and time. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.